Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping to support others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including and especially the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. Thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post called What's the Problem? Holiday season is here. Just a few weeks ago, we were buying turkeys and making green bean casserole. And now, we're in the full swing of December holidays. Whether we're traveling or staying home, this time of year is exceedingly energized. There are decorations to display, arrangements to be made, plans to make, gifts to buy and wrap, and food to enjoy. There are family parties and work parties and team building events and neighborhood tastings, all to celebrate the year in review and the possibility of what is yet to come. It doesn't matter if we're celebrating Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, New Year's, or none of the above. We can't move far in any direction without the reminder that the holiday season is here. But some of us aren't getting busy with holiday festivities. Now that the temperatures have dropped below freezing, some of us are getting busy trying to find shelter, warmth, food, or clean water. Some of us, and by us, I am referring to our fellow human beings, are barely holding on. We may be dealing with grief or loss, disease, a health or financial crisis, devastation, or loss of employment. We may be trying to afford a gift for our child, even though we have no way to pay for it. Our Christmas wish may simply be to rest and be warm and have a hot meal, maybe a hot shower. I share these sentiments to remind myself and others. Whatever we think we need or are trying to accomplish may seem important, impossible, and insurmountable. But if we step back and imagine we are anywhere else in the world today, on this day, our challenges are luxuries at best. 
I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying they pale in comparison to atrocious and unconscionable war crimes, disease, homelessness, and starvation. Should we disengage from our holiday bustle to stand with our brothers and sisters who may be suffering around the corner or around the world? Nope. (laughs) And I say that respectfully but enthusiastically because as an empath, the younger version of me might have answered this question with a resounding yes, but now I know better. I now know that I don't have to punish myself because I have been blessed with abundance, heat, running water, and any kind of food I can possibly dream up. Instead, I know I can bustle away whilst also including my response to the needs of strangers in my long list of to-dos. And this brings me to a post I shared a while back, entitled, Creating Choices. It's linked in the post. The Creating Choices blog post was a description of how I took a situation that brought me angst and transformed it into one that helps others and also (laughs) alleviates my need to be present to those less fortunate. A win-win. And I'm reminded of this post because I just recently (laughs) compiled dozens of treat bags, in quotes, to share with people asking for help, mainly at intersections. This will all make more sense if you have a chance to check out the actual post entitled Creating Choices. But the essence of it was that there are always ways to create opportunities for us to decide how to act rather than just unconsciously and compulsively reacting to things that make us uncomfortable. Assembling treat bags as an activity has evolved into something Zach and I can do together. From buying items at Costco, to filling the Ziploc bags, storing them, and looking for people that need them when we're out in the car. With Zach's help, we include the following items in each treat bag. You might want to fast forward if you're at all hungry. A breakfast bar, nuts and dried fruit packet, a Burt's Bees lip balm, organic beef jerky, hand warming packets, hard candy, a napkin, five bucks for coffee or whatever, and a package of cookies. So with treats in hand, we are ready to sprinkle some holiday cheer around for those that may need it. Including generous activities in our holiday hustling bustling provides a balance and appreciation for our own lives, which makes this time of year all the richer. At least that has always been my experience with giving. So what's the problem? Getting to the name of the post. Today's blog post is titled with a question because I want to create and cultivate a little curiosity. It's been my own inability to rest in the face of others in need that has gaslit my path of seeking 
and also healing. Along this path, I've been fortunate to connect with the Isha Foundation, including its founder, Sadhguru. There is a link to both of these in the blog post. You may recall the reference to Isha in a former blog post about inner engineering. That post is also linked. As I became familiar with the Isha organization, I heard a quote that changed the way I looked at generosity. The words from Sadhguru inspired and empowered me to start identifying small ways to contribute to the world around me without losing my empathetic self in the process. The quote is this. If you don't do what you can't do, there is no problem. If you do what you can do, that is not a problem either. If you don't do what you're capable of doing, (laughs) what can we do with you? End quote. In other words, our problem arises only when what we do is not in harmony with what we are capable of. If each one of us just did what we were capable of and nothing more, the world would be a different place. I took Sadhguru's point, and it led to the tradition of creating these treat bags. As I mentioned in the post Creating Choices, I no longer feel helpless that I can't do more. I do what I can do. I don't do what I cannot do. And there is no problem. Are you doing what you can? (laughs) Do you add the extra couple of cents onto your McDonald's order for the Ronald McDonald house? Do you buy the prepackaged food donation bag at the grocery store when stocking up on provisions for your own home? Do you hand somebody five bucks who's asking for it? Do you donate and cycle your unused clothing so that someone else can benefit? Do you contribute to food banks, homeless shelters, and other community organizations to help those less fortunate? in your own backyards. I ask because the act of giving is far more powerful than the dollar amount that one contributes. I want to clarify what may be a misunderstanding, which is this. In order to be generous or philanthropic, we must ourselves be, you know, overflowing with resources. It's just simply not true. We don't have to be overflowing with resources to be generous. Never mind that compared to most parts of the world, we definitely are the definition of overflowing with resources. So we may feel like we don't have anything to give, but we always have something to give. Try challenging yourself to this experiment over the next couple of weeks. If you haven't been, quote unquote, doing what you can, it's never too late 
to find out what that is and just how good it feels. Whether you commit to putting some change in the Salvation Army kiosk at the grocery store or the shopping mall or donating $10 to a local food bank, it doesn't matter. You just ask yourself, am I doing what I can to help others in need? And if the answer is no, clearly identify a way to flex this muscle that will help someone else without hurting yourself or your own situation. Then just do it. Let it rip. See how your mood and your energy level are impacted when you, quote, do what you can do, unquote, but stop feeling and carrying the burden of, quote, not doing what you cannot do, unquote. Repeat often. <laughs> like all, most all things we talk about, this is a practice. So then just let us know how it's going. Finding the littlest of ways to share resources is the equivalent of saying thank you for what we have been blessed with. And if you're not yet sold on checking out this experiment, try looking into the eyes of someone asking for money or help. Even if you're not going to give them anything, just Make eye contact. And unfortunately, it won't be hard to find a fellow human who fits this description. Even if you give nothing, look directly into that person's eyes and smile. Challenge yourself to temporarily suspend all of your personal stories about how you made your own life what it is, and others should do the same, and there's a chasm between that person and yourself. Release your justifications for why you, quote-unquote, have, and others, quote-unquote, have not. Drop the judgment, and just for a moment, let yourself be in the body of the other. Imagine how desperately you would want to be seen and helped if you were actually in their shoes. Then sit with that feeling and see if a new idea or concept arises, which may clarify a way for you to start helping. Open your heart. It will not take long to think of something and a smile is free. Kindness is its own reward. There is no problem with choosing to be kind. There is no problem if we do what we can do. There's only a problem when we don't. So thanks again for checking out the episode. And I really want to just give a shout out. If you hung out through that entire podcast, uh, and it's still going with the audio problems <laughs> that I'm dealing with. Uh, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. 
I uh, restarted the podcast a handful of times and was unable to um, have any kind of length of time to actually record without background noise. And actually, I put off recording this a couple of times because of that. So at some point, you just have to let life be life. So I do appreciate you uh, not turning it off because there was so much going on with the audio. So now onto the post. I love this post. It just, for some reason, it just resonates so deeply. And I guess, you know, maybe part of it is because it's something that I um, am sort of living out every day in one way or another, whether it's making the bags with Zach or whether it's handing them out or remembering someone's reaction, you know, how quickly they may have torn into the food, say, or something like that. But it holds a very consistent presence in my life. In other words, something, it's something that I come back to sort of again and again. And it's, it's transformed just the way I see other um, elements of my personality, really, that are um, maybe have historically been felt or experienced as a weakness on my part, because I always felt because I couldn't put this boundary up, I couldn't build the wall <laughs> between me and the other person. Um, it's just something I was born with, but I always felt that it was something that held me back. It wasn't something that made me rise. So it, it, there are these little parts of our personalities that we think are shortcomings. And what I've been able to do with this experiment, and as I said, it's part of my everyday life now, is realize that <laughs> had I paid more attention to this um, reaction in myself earlier on in life, I can only imagine what the outcome of that could have, you know, possibly have been. But I'm grateful that I, you know, certainly have it now. And then the bigger picture, as I was saying, is I'm looking at other parts of my personality that I see as shortcomings or maybe weaknesses that need attention or strengthening. And I'm now realizing if I actually just let them teach me what they're here to teach me, um, that I could sort of move on to the next and it wouldn't have to hold me back the way that some of these heavier um, items that we carry around in our psyche can tend to do. So transitioning a little bit uh, onto a couple of big ideas that came uh, to me that I want to point out. Uh, the first is just this idea that this is just so huge, this quote that I shared it, the essence of it is that we don't have to save everyone to help someone. <laughs> oh my gosh, does that not feel like such a relief? If you <laughs> have carried the burden of caring for others, in a sense, um, this is just the best news ever because it allows what we're doing in support of others to stand for its own, to stand on its own, to speak for itself is what I'm trying to say. So it, it sort of does that. And at the same time, it just relieves us of this burden of not doing what we can't do. And the fact that we carry that to begin with is another whole blog post at a minimum. Um, but for the purposes of making this point, um, just going back to we don't have to save everyone to help one person. And when we figure this out, when we really get it, not only does it empower us to do more because we suddenly feel like we are empowered instead of powerless, and it relieves that weight of 
you know, feeling the guilt that for whatever reason, it's just hardwired into us that we need to do more, that we have to do more, that we're not doing enough. It takes that off of our shoulders. So we are now supercharged to move forward and do what we can and do it enthusiastically. The second idea that I want to pull out is just um, that when we're going through this process and we're really um, looking at, okay, what is it that I can do? What is What are some of the things that I can't do that I want to do that I can let go of? When we're going through this process of, you know, sort of self-inquiry, we end up doing a bit of a mental and emotional inventory on basically generosity itself. So what's our track record? When we start looking at um, what have we been, you know, how do we feel about giving to strangers? How do we feel about sharing our resources? How do we feel about dropping the judgments and just seeing other humans as they are um, for whatever reason? How do we feel about, you know, certain changes that we're open to making, even if we haven't decided to make them. What's really cool about doing this type of a self-inquiry and inventory is that we realize, oh, I actually don't have to do it that way. I actually, in my case, I don't have to pull up to an intersection and have a stomach ache because I see someone asking for money, but it, it's not that I want to give it to them or whatever it is. So I don't have to live that out. I can do something different. And in my case, I, you know, found my way of what would make that a better situation for both parties. But the idea is when we do that inventory, we are provided with this window of opportunity to see if there's another way to do stuff. And when we open to that, we begin to enjoy and benefit from this transformation that I'm really talking about. So the third and final thing I just want to add is the fewer boundaries. This is just true across demographics, across um, all of our you know boxes that we put ourselves and other people in there. The fewer boundaries that we draw between ourselves and the other, and I'm putting other in, in a quote, the fewer boundaries we draw between ourselves and the other, the increased experience of inclusiveness at an inverted rate. In other words, the fewer the boundaries, the more included we feel. And if you're not sold on that being a virtue of a good life, inclusion, um, check out Brene Brown's work. Um, on vulnerability and start from there and you'll find other avenues. Um, but I, I definitely invite and encourage you to check that out because um, as humans, what I learned from Brene's work and what she shared so many times in so many creative ways till we all finally start to get the idea. <laughs> um, what she shared is that we are hardwired for connection and belonging and that we will we will stomp on most, if not all, of our other virtues to be part of something bigger than ourselves. So if that's not something that's floating around in your mental ethos, 
um, and you're curious about it, definitely find out more about it. Or if you want to follow up with, you know, me on the blog or something like that, I'd be happy to get you connected. Um, great material. So thanks again for hanging around um, and getting kind of through this three big ideas that we've talked about, which is, again, not having to save everyone to help one person um, and letting go of that weight of not doing what we can't do. And the second one is just this emotional and uh, mental inventory that we're taking about our generosity sort of to date. You know, we get this opportunity to see if there's a different way. And that is worth its weight in gold. Um, and then the third uh, big idea was just this reminder that we have an inverse relationship between how different we consider ourselves to be and how much a part of life we experience as ourselves. Those two things work in opposition. So the more we put ourselves into categories and we eat this and we don't drink that and we don't spend time with these people or um, we don't, you know, whatever the thing may be, the more we do that, the smaller we become. And the smaller we become, the thicker the prison walls are that we've built around ourselves. So that's why feeling a part of something bigger than ourselves, inclusion and belonging, these things are worthwhile pursuits for for human beings, in my very humble (laughs) opinion. So thank you again for joining um, the episode. And if you have thoughts about this podcast or any or um, blog posts, I'd love to hear about in the comments at lisamcfarland.com. I want to thank some of our international listeners. I hear you. I see you. I appreciate you. Um, It's super cool to see the international representation of listeners. So I just really thank you for checking out uh, the podcast. And of course, also, thank you to the listeners in North America. It's always, always great to see the home base lighting up. So just really appreciate everyone listening. And I want to wish, you know, us a very um, fulfilling, somehow fulfilling um, holiday, whatever that means for us individually, and whatever that means for you specifically. So if nature fills you, I wish you a walk uh, in the most beautiful place that you can be. And if connection with other humans fills you, I hope you find yourself around people that you love and who can nurture and love you uh, in return. And certainly, if nature is not your thing, maybe you want to spend your evening or your holidays with your pet. Um, Sometimes that fills people. Or there are great other things like volunteering, um, going to children's hospitals, which is something that we've done more than once. Um, just find a way to to bring out the best of who you are. And that's what I wish for myself as well. Um, and I want to find a way to just be really close to the people that I care about. And I want them to know how much I care about them. So I'll be working on that. So until next time, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful and to stay healing. Happy, happy holidays. I'll see you in 2024. And thank you, as always, for listening.